Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. It's time to drop the puck. Time for the Nightcap. Your home for news and insider info on your Vegas Golden Knights and the NHL. Let's hear from the goalie. Here's Lindsey Brown. And it is a special edition of the Nightcap. Usually we're live on Monday nights, 5 to 6 p.m., but because it's President's Day weekend and because we are in the midst of one of the greatest four-game series of the season between the Vegas Golden Knights and the Colorado Avalanche, joining me today... Uh, the ABS reporter and correspondent for Mile High Sports up in Denver, Arif Dean. Arif, welcome to the Nightcap, my friend. Thank you. I'm happy to be on, and I'm always excited to be a first-time caller. Well, you're already best friends, at least with me, and I'm hoping with the rest of our audience, even though, you know, we, we did take the first game of the series one to nothing, just like we all predicted. But, but what were your biggest takeaways from Sunday's game besides, you know, uh, suffering the first shutout of the season for, for your ABS? Honestly, I mean, the shutout makes it sound bad, but the way that I saw that game is, quite frankly, the Avalanche just, they, they didn't have a chance. And if they won that game, I would be having a very different conversation right now about how impressed I was. Because coming out of a 12-day pause because of COVID, without Makar, without Gerard, without Johnson, without, uh, without Calvert, without a bunch of depth guys, Tyson Jost, uh, Gabe Landeskog on your top line, it just... And Vegas is rolling, and they've been playing pretty much every other night. It just felt like uh, a butt-whooping waiting to happen. And the Avs played pretty well in that first period, and then it became a bit of a snoozer after that. But to come out of that game with a one to nothing loss is a heck of a lot better than I thought they would do. They just this, The odds were stacked against them. I wholeheartedly agree with you, uh, Arif. And I, I really thought at the beginning of that game, you know, they took a too many men penalty. They had a couple penalties early on. And I thought that served the Avalanche a lot better because, you know, it, it's really tough for for any team, even if it is the Vegas Golden Knights, to start their game on the man advantage because you're expected to, you know, to be on your stuff, to have that offensive output. And and I agree with you. I think it turned into a little bit of a snoozer. But for me, the Avs seemed like the better, the faster team as the game went on. And I just didn't expect you know that their legs to be found that quickly as you said with so many uh so many guys out across the lineup but especially with Kale McCarr who is a game time decision I learned that from your Twitter handle at run right Arif um how how big is his presence on that blue line and and his absence in that loss and and going forward how big of a difference maker is he going to make on this lineup against the the Knights so it's as simple as this Kel McCarr won the Calder Trophy a season ago, and he could win the Norris Trophy this year. Uh, we haven't seen somebody take steps that big since probably Drew Doughty with the LA Kings. 
And it just doesn't happen often that a young defenseman comes in with this much confidence and this much of a presence so early in his career. Uh, but I mean, the, such is the new, you know, that's the new wave of NHL defensemen. They come in loaded with confidence, ready to sort of take teams by storm. And to have Kale miss that game was probably the deciding factor for me because he was healthy and he was playing. He was playing, you know, some great hockey, probably, you know, the best hockey he's played in, in, in his career, in my opinion. Uh, but for him to come out of that 12-day break and the Avs had three days of practices and to lose him after already missing Gerard uh, because of the, because of him being on the COVID list, it just seemed like uh, that was going to be the biggest factor in why they weren't going to win that game. But I will say, so I'm not by any means going to downplay how important Makar and even Gerard are to this team. But without them, the Avalanche still managed to hold a high-flying high-scoring, high-powered offense Vegas team to 24 shots. And that, to me, is the most uh, surprising stat of that game. It's the fact that time and time again this season, and they've done it seven out of the 10 games that Grubauer has played, they have not allowed 25 shots. And the fact that they did that without Kel McCarr just goes to show how much better this team could be when they have their legs under them, when they get into a groove, and when they're healthy and McCarr's back in the lineup. Well, and one has to think, even between these two heavyweights, you know, that many are picking to be, you know, the, the battle out of the West Division eventually in the playoffs. But because of the talent on, on the abs and because of the speed that they can display, I think teams try to, like, you know, there's bringing your best game and then there's getting too fancy. And I think that's what the Vegas Golden Knights were doing a lot, especially yeah. in that neutral yep. zone. You're just trying to force these passes. I'm just like, guys, take the puck yourself and just get it deep so at least you're not getting uh, – getting, open up for for disruptions where the puck can be sent right back the other way because the abs I feel are just so smart so focused on what their goal is this season and and they're this isn't you know new for them to be weathering the storm whether it's COVID or injuries or what have you but I think your point about Grubauer just having a really controlled action is super important because as a former goaltender myself you know tired legs and, and having sustained zone time that's what causes guys to overslide that's what causes guys to to maybe chase the puck a little bit and as he's working through the rust of of that break I I think it's just it's a really big recipe for success and eventually the goals are going to come because this is a team that sticks with the puck and sticks with that that offensive minded uh, grind and so eventually the hockey gods will will repay you for all of the all of the sacrifices that you're making yeah absolutely and you just said it right there the avalanche just seemed focused and it's really crazy to me because this is not you know, the Chicago Blackhawks or the, or the Pittsburgh Penguins in the middle of winning all these cups and all these third and fourth round appearances. This is a team that hasn't even gotten over the hill of making it to the third round, something that mm. Vegas in their first four years has already done twice. Uh, and that's, that's the mind-boggling part to me is the fact that for, for these last two, three years, the Avalanche used to play with that, with that, you know, the exciting hockey and just overpassing and making it look pretty because – they were this new hot team on the block and McKinnon was emerging as a star. Rantanen came out of nowhere. This rookie from college named McCarr came out of nowhere, but they've already turned into that team. That's just focused, getting the puck in playing what, you know, my podcast co-host JJ has said is a very boring brand of hockey. And I keep telling him that it looks like a boring brand of hockey because they're so focused on just doing the right things and not necessarily the exciting plays that they've been more interested in over the last few years which is kind of the vibe that I got from the Golden Knights too. And to be quite honest with you, you know, 
even if McCarr doesn't play tonight, and even if in the with Gerard missing and Landeskog missing and Johnson all still out, if Vegas does that again, I just don't see them going 2-0 against the Avalanche in, in, these, in these last two games. So this is just one of those things where Vegas needs to be ready to play a more defined game and a more complete game because the Avalanche have their legs under them. Like you said, they were getting better with that game, and they're going to come out strong tonight. Absolutely. It's just when, when you have two teams that are so closely matched, you can't just rely on the talent. You have to be willing to grind it out. You have to be willing to you know play exactly. to play those low-scoring games and not get high or too low. And that's not fun to play. Like blocking shots, which I think the Golden, the Golden Knights are leading the league in on, on a game-by-game basis, they didn't the other night. It's that paying of the price, making sure that you're winning your 50-50 battles down low and then taking you know advantage of those soft spots in the lineup, in, in the game itself, if it's the long change, if they're just getting off of a, a special teams play where people are just kind of like all right where am I you know this is that kind of next level where where there's good teams and then there's great teams and they and they you know exist in those halfway percentage points and and without Kale McCarr as you said without and and he might he might be out there tonight but in his stead another young defensive stud that uh that the abs have been able to bring into their system and have, have implemented their lineup is Bowen Byram and they've burned that entry level year. That's just the way it's going to be. And and you know what? He's fit in. So how how has he looked to you, especially since he has been given you know that top line or, or top defensive pair with Makar out? I mean, it's just like how great is it? The Avalanche. I mean, I keep talking about Makar and Gerard, and it's a couple of twenty two year olds, and uh, this nineteen year old pretty much comes out of nowhere, and not necessarily out of nowhere, but becomes a lot better than people thought at a quicker pace. And it's just, it's gotten to that point with this team where there's, they just, they have a, an, a, a, like an embarrassment of riches on that blue line. And it's just crazy to see. I wrote a story yesterday uh, on milehighsports.com, uh, published it last night about the avalanche, just reviewing that first month of the season, the good, the bad, the ugly, what's happening, what's good, what's bad, what's wrong. Obviously here we go again with all the injuries, but the good right at the top of my article is this new young D that's taken over this team. You know, a season ago, Ian Cole was playing heavy minutes. He was traded early on in the season. Nikita Zadorov was playing heavy minutes. He was traded for Brandon Saad. Eric Johnson was playing heavy minutes. The guys just had terrible luck with COVID and then getting, you know, pretty much knocked on his behind by Jordan Greenway. And, you know, he's probably out with a concussion issue now, uh, if, if I had to speculate. And now suddenly the Avalanche have a 22-year-old in Makar, a 22-year-old in Gerard, a 26-year-old, which seems like a grizzly vet at this point, in Devon Caves, and this 19-year-old kid named Bowen Byram, who's played now less than 10 NHL games, is already a top-four defenseman playing over 20 minutes a night. He's just been awesome. He, he had a lot of confidence coming out of that World Juniors, obviously uh, disappointing loss, losing in the gold medal game to the U.S., but... He just came out with a ton of confidence, and that's carried over into his NHL game. And he doesn't seem like a 19-year-old that's scared to be in the big leagues. He's making those big plays. He's not just, you know, bouncing it up off the boards and into the zone. He's actually skating it into the ice. He has, like, these clean zone entries, and he's making plays with confidence. And you just don't see that out of 19-year-old defensemen on a regular basis. 
No, and and you have to think. Well, first of all, that you have the other, you know, veterans like w- with Makar, like you said, twenty two years old. Where like you have that confidence, this is a, and this is a team yeah. that is clearly going to give these guys a chance to not only play but to play their game to the best of their ability and 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 to in the most comfortable sense. How how much of that is Devon Taves' acquisition and addition to this roster in terms of having his steady handedness at, still at twenty six years old, which is still a young gun, but just given all the disruption and and seeing these guys flourish I, I think that's really where you're paying dividends here is just having someone don't worry guys I got this you do you absolutely I mean I mean to me it's just crazy how good this guy is uh Devon Taves was acquired for two second round draft picks which right now is looking like the steal of the summer and the fact that his game has been elevated from what he was doing with the Islanders which already was an impressive accomplishment and He's he's a top he's a top pairing defenseman. He's not somebody that the Avalanche brought in to be a top four guy, a middle of the pack guy. He's a guy that is, despite having Gerard and Byram and Makar on this team, he's looking at those three youngsters and he's saying, I'm going to outduel two of you and remain on the top line. And if that's what happens, then your second line is Byram and Gerard. But that just goes to show how good this guy is. He's not someone that deserves to be on the top line because he compliments Makar well. He does but he deserves to be on the top line because he's that good. And he's been that impressive with the abs. And when he was missing for those few games before the pause, it showed. And uh, against Vegas, him coming back was a big deal, even though he kind of had to play a little more than the avalanche wanted him to with Gerard being out, but he got his seat back under him and he's just been such a great acquisition. He's already got three goals and he just looks like he's going to be part of this top four moving forward rather than just another middle, middle of the pack guy. Well, and he comes from that Islanders team who's really, you know, defense 101. That's that's Barry Trotz's thing is protect the house first and everything else will take care of itself. And so, if anything, you kind of learn your role, know what you are what what you have to stay within and, and therefore enable other people to play their best hockey. And someone that pretty much plays the best hockey that I've seen in, in a very long time is number 29, Nathan McKinnon. We're switch gears away from the, the defenseman to the forwards, Arif. And and clearly you could tell that the scoring touch, the rust was there for him the other day and as it would be for, for any team or any player that, that's taken as long as of a time that he's had off. But how quick do you think he's going to get back to his scoring touch? Because he has the points, but a lot of them are the assist nature right now. So is it more waiting for, for Gabriel Landeskog to get back into this lineup or do you expect him to start taking over things and, and finding that net and beating Alex Petrangelo over the next few games? You know, it's one of those things where him not having too many goals, I think it's two this year, uh, it's kind of gone under the radar because of how many points he's put up. But I think it's just a matter of him being snake thing. He had a ton of opportunities to score way more than two goals early on in the season and just wasn't getting those bounces to go in. Uh, and it's kind of crazy because Ranson has five or six, I think seven goals now, and Don's boy's about five, and Sod's about five, and McKinnon's stuck at two. And that's a little bit weird, but I think it's nothing to worry about. It's just a matter of him getting those bounces to go his way. And when you're that good, they're eventually going to go in. Uh, And I think that's something that we'll likely see starting today. Uh, I don't think he's missing Landeskog as much as he's just uh, missing puck luck. (laughs) As crazy as that is to say, that's, that's just the way it goes sometimes. 
And there's something to be said about like taking the pressure away because he's just such a force as as a player in every aspect of his game. I, I still don't understand how you're supposed to stop the guy because you say to the defenseman, well, you got to take the body. Well, if you try to take the body on him, he's going to run you over and he does have yeah. some hands. But at least with Langeskog there, you know, he likes to stir things up. He's the physical guy. He likes to get in, in others' faces. It kind of takes that pressure, at least some of that attention away. And I, I agree, there's that snake bittenness, especially against Minnesota. I saw a couple of pucks or a couple of should be goals get completely robbed from him. But it, you're right, it's only a matter of time. But in terms of the matchup, I really think that a lot of what why Vegas went out and acquired Alex Petrangelo during the offseason was directly because of Nathan McKinnon, because yeah. of his formidability yep. as, a, as a talent. And so as he works his way back in, what does a perfect opportunity look like for him? Does he like to generate his his momentum and his offense through the top of the zone? Is he a guy that likes to beat guys from down low and walk out that way? What What's his preferred uh, route to success, at least to find in the back of the net? I, I, I wish I had a clear answer for that question, and the reason why I don't is because McKinnon has kind of crafted his game into being able to score from all sorts of ways over these last few years. So – Last year, we noticed a lot of up at the blue line, wrist shots from the point that looked like they were just kind of these pucks that had, that had eyes that would find the back of the net, kind of a lucky shot. But he did it five, six, seven, eight times. It would be beyond the hash marks up at the blue line, and he would just release a snapshot or a wrist shot, and it would find the back of the net. So he's kind of crafted that into his game. On the power play, as we know, he likes to work the half wall on that left side. Rantanen's on the right side, and they like to work the one-timer. That's something that got away from them a little bit last year uh, because teams started to pick up on it because obviously NHL coaches and NHL teams are really good with picking up on things like that. So he started to take those point shots. He started to work down low. He would alternate with Nazem Kadri. He would end up behind the net. He would end up in the crease. And like you said, he's someone that you can't really pressure because he's so strong. He's got a little bit of Peter Forsberg in him, that forearm shiver where he can put you on your ass while he has the puck. And it's not something that many players can do, but it's something that he can do because he just has great upper body strength. Uh, So in regards to that, I mean, the best players in the game could score in many different ways. And McKinnon is one of those that doesn't even include, that doesn't even include the fact that he's one of the best zone entry players in the NHL and can use his speed to just skate around a defenseman, which he's done to Petrangelo before in his time in St. Louis. And he's done to many other defensemen and, you know, great defensemen in this league. I think it's just a matter of confidence because once you get those first couple, you're just like, guess what? I'm taking this spot and I don't care instead of just in, instead of just being uh, taking what is given to him. And and in Gabriel Langeskog's uh, absence, Brandon Saad has been elevated to the top line. He's scored some goals for you guys as of late. Is he more of a Swiss Army Knife guy at this point or are they looking for him to elevate the guys around him? I don't think he's going to be able to do it on the first line because we just got done talking about what, what a talent Nathan McKinnon is. But what is his true role on this team once it gets healthy, at least in, in, in any way that they possibly can? It's simply put, he's a top six forward, and uh, it's something that the Avalanche had been lacking from that top six the last few years. Uh, Brandon Saad kind of started a little slow. He had one point in his first six games, but over the last six games, he's got four goals and five assists. So he's getting up there, and that was mainly playing with Kadri. The Avalanche brought in Saad because they needed to round out that top six. 
And obviously, as we heard throughout the summer, I'm sure you remember this. It was Taylor Hall, Taylor Hall. The Ads are going to bring in this guy. He's that second left winger they need to play with Landeskog in the top six. But they kind of called an audible and went out and traded Zadorov for a winger who has two Stanley Cups, who plays with a physical edge, who when the playoff comes, he elevates his game to a more physical game like you should in the playoffs. Something that, you know, with all due respect to Taylor Hall's talent, he just doesn't have experience with, not because he's not a good player, because he just hasn't been in the playoffs much. So this is a big reason why the Avalanche brought in Saad is to not get pushed around in the playoffs. But right now, he's exactly what you said he is. He's a Swiss Army knight. He's on that second line playing with Kadri and Burakovsky, which to a lot of teams is better than their first line. And then he can jump up to that first line and, you know, take over for Landeskog or even Ranson. And because he can play both wings and provide offense and just sort of fit right in. You know, it's gone are the days where the Avalanche would have a Jost or a Kerfoot or someone that doesn't necessarily belong on the line with McKinnon playing with him. Now they have somebody inside who's on the second line who, when he's up on the top line, can fit in with that top line and be a top line winger. Granted, it was a little bit slow Tuesday, or should I say Sunday, I'm losing track of my days here. Uh, but today's Tuesday, I think it's going to go a little bit better for him. Uh, I can't disagree. I just think based off of how top heavy the abs are, it's just, it's it's really about seeing what do these guys look like at full strength? And I don't think we've seen that from really any team of, of playing their best hockey because we are still so early in the season. But it's all coming down to goaltending and whether or not you're able to weather the storm. And, and as I watch Philip Grubauer, another guy who hasn't been to the prom, well, he has been to the promised land, but it wasn't, you know, his net at that point. He had then had uh, given it up to to back to Braden Holtby during that cup run with Washington, in which you know they won down the street street here in T-Mobile. He tends to hold his hands pretty low and pretty loose as a goaltender. So would you say that that it's more advantageous for teams to take those more long-range shots, make him track it, make him make the reads, rather than have uh, them buzz around the net and play that puck close to the crease? I would say so, simply because right now Grubauer has all the support from his defense. And uh, as Jared Bednar likes to say, our defense are not the two guys that play on the back on the back end, our defense is a five-man unit. And the Avalanche are playing an excellent five-man unit defensive game right now where there just isn't many chances for Vegas and for other teams to get in up close and get those good looks. I mean, we saw on Sunday that the one goal was exactly what I just described that the Avalanche don't give up a lot of. To a shooter like Max Pacioretty, he was able to come in, he was able to sort of make his way into the, you know, past the hash marks, into the circle, and fired a shot past Grubauer. That was something the Avalanche don't give up a lot of shots or a lot of looks and opportunities like that, those high-danger opportunities. And simply put, because of that, if you're Vegas and if you're many other teams, you need to crash the crease. You need to put bodies in front and just get shots on the net, get those point shots on. And hockey's a game of bounces, and that's how you're going to get that puck luck to score goals. And then you can, you know, hack away at rebounds. Uh, you know, I hate to be game planning for how to score on the Avalanche, but that's ultimately the best way to do it right now. If there's one thing that you can take away from the Avalanche's new age defense core, it's not that they're not strong. It's just that they're not very big. So if you get your forwards in down low and you start to battle them down low, you can get those bodies in the way and take those point shots. You can have groove hour screens. You can have puck bounce off players and into the net, or you can have rebounds up for grabs for when, uh, Grubauer makes a save or if the shot is blocked. The Golden Knights are actively taking notes on all these things, but you're totally right yeah. because because I mean, they're, you they're can push guys around. I mean, 
Gerard Gallant's listening to this. He has to. Or, uh, yeah. Geez, not Gerard It's Gallant okay. Anymore. It's been a long it's year. It's been a long it's year. It's been a weird year. Yeah. yeah. So no. the board's got to be listening to this. I'm, I'm sure he is. Well, I mean, I'm sure Gallant is to too if he ends up getting that Seattle job. But, you know, yeah. it's 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 interesting that you make that point too because especially with, with, a, with a team that is so young on, the, on their defensive side that even if you get their confidence going down a little bit low, they're going to be a lot more apprehensive in front of the net. And I agree. Those outside shots, you know, to get beat short side as Philip Gruber I'm like, that's rust. That is rust because as goaltenders, you can't give up that goal on that angle, but they're going to be able to find their way. So let's spin the tables here a little bit before I let you go, Eric, because I know you got plenty of things to write and, uh, and, and prep to do ahead of tonight's game. But what, what worries you the most about Vegas? Not just tonight, but just like going forward in the season as, as we duke it out between these two heavyweights. Uh, I'm, I'm going to give a one-person answer, and uh, this is because of my personal bias for how much I love this player's game and what he provides for teams. Uh, but it, it hasn't even gone unnoticed at this point. My biggest worry for Vegas is Mark Stone. Somebody said it, good. finally! <laughs> he is... Okay, so you're talking to a guy that since 2009-10 had fallen in love with and continues to track just how valuable and great a career Ryan O'Reilly has had, starting with his days in Denver. Mark Stone plays the game that Ryan O'Reilly plays with a more physical edge. It's the whole package. That play he made last game where he took the puck, just nice little smooth stick lift in the offensive zone, forechecking on Jacob McDonald, just took the puck away. It was very Ryan O'Reilly-like. And this is a player that, unlike O'Reilly, no offense to that guy, Mike Stone can put up 80, 90 points a year consistently. He's just an excellent, exceptional talent. For Vegas to get him for what they got him for, they paid a hefty price, but it was worth every penny. Uh, And then in terms of the actual penny, the dollars, it was worth every dollar for the contract they gave him. And he is, to be honest with you, my early heart trophy uh, candidate. And he's just going to be one of those guys. I mean, we saw his effectiveness in the playoffs last year and even in that crazy seven-game series against San Jose a couple of years ago. He's just the complete player, and he's one of those guys that there isn't many players that play the wing that can lead a team, and he's one of those guys that can do it. If there was anything that worries me about that, I mean, hell, down the middle, Vegas isn't even that good. No, oh, you're right. They have a first-line centerman, and then their second-line center, and this is how I like to refer to it on my podcast, is a, is a combination of a rookie named Cody Glass and some guy named Chandler. <laughs> you don't see many hockey players named Chandler. It's an awesome name. And he's been playing pretty good, but they're not deep down the middle. They're not as good as the Avalanche. But they have this weapon named Mark Stone on the wing that just makes their team an entirely better team than it would be without him. Eric, so it's, it's hilarious word. that you compare him to Ryan O'Reilly because on several uh, times on my show, I've I've called him Ryan O'Reilly light because like for yeah. the exact reason you said because it's, it's just a little less physical, but therefore yeah. he's able to create and especially with him as just a, a like an exemplar leader of exactly how you want the game to be played. As you said, as a winger, this is a league that puts all of the stock in set in two way centers, all of the stock in big time uh, skilled defensemen that that you guys have, and for him to have yeah. made his pigeonhole in this league 
and, and the way that he has. And I, I've been a fan of his since he was in Ottawa. You know, I, it's yep. it's such a small world when I had him on my fantasy hockey league in college. And you're like, oh, look, he's the first captain ever on this team. And look how good he is. And people are just starting to figure it out. It's insane to me. But it's it's going to be a, a, hell, of a, a hell of a series for the rest of the way out, especially when they go to Tahoe this weekend. And as this yeah. season rolls on, I'm, I'm glad that we are now close personal best friends, that we can bounce things off each other yeah. and, and provide all that insight on how to score goals on the abs and uh, and what we should be scared about against VGK. But, Arif, before I let you go, where can we find all of your fine work and your social media handles? Uh, Twitter, at RunRightArif. Uh, I'm sure you guessed that I like to run. I definitely do write. My name's Arif. Follow me on Twitter, MileHighSports.com. I also have a podcast with my co-host, JJ Jerez. We will have you on sometime in the near future. Hockey Mountain High. I would be honored. Great name. Uh, it's a heck of a podcast. We love to talk hockey as pretty much anything NHL. Uh, I do appreciate you for having me on. I'm really excited to see where this series goes starting tonight and into Tahoe. And then obviously at the ball arena next week where I'll be at that game. So uh, thanks again. And I do appreciate it. Absolutely. Eric, you keep running because I'm not going to do any of it for the rest of my <laughs> life. Thanks for having it. Or thanks for coming on here, buddy. Yep. Thank you. All right, that was Arif Dean from Mile High Sports. He covers the, covers the Avalanche. I want to thank him for joining us. And thank you all for joining us for another edition of the Nightcap. We'll be back live on Monday, 5 to 6 p.m. Hopefully we're rolling with a 4-0 record. But if we're not, at least the games are going to be entertaining. The Nightcap Podcast with Lindsey Brown is produced from the Las Vegas-based studios of CBS Sports Radio 1140, a Radio.com sports station. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.